Today we are going to be talking about the history of voguing and ballroom for Black Queer History Month that we've kind of merged together because it is Black History Month in... The UK. The UK. And it is... Queer history. Queer history yeah. in the US. Yeah. Let's take it away, guys. <laughs> Hi, guys. Welcome to Safe Space. You're with your host, Emma and... Femi. And... Crystal Lake. Today we have two new people in today. We have Femi, who is... Hello, I'm a queer nerd, basically. I'm so excited <laughs> to be joining Safe Space and bringing you a lot more information about the queer history I'm interested in. So let's talk about queer African queens. Let's talk about queer people all over the world, in the diaspora, in history. You're going to find out that actually everyone is queer. And it wasn't just their roommate. They were doing... <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. And we have DJ Crystal Lake. What's up? So basically... Um... Yeah, I break down a lot of like news and history and things in society, all the stuff they try to hide from you. And then you figure out like, oh, wow, that's why they tried to hide it. And yeah, I just tell it in a mm -hmm. fun and, and easy to understand way. Do you want to take it away? You've got the first story for us, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. So I'm about to hit you with this. Like, do you know why the queer ballroom scene was started by queer black and Latinx people? No, I didn't no. know that. So the queer ballroom scene as we know it had very different origins in the beginning. In the late 1800s, the Hamilton Lodge, a country club for well-to-do African-Americans, started throwing an annual charity gala, which they called the annual Oddfellows Ball, which would later be known as the Fairies Ball to raise money for their club. These events were for heterosexual men. They would dress in drag and prizes would be given out for the most beautiful gown and best female impersonator. Uh-huh. Gay men gravitated towards it as it was a space where men could appear in drag and not face any penalty. Ah. Uh. Yeah, imagine how many downloads were up in there. Take me there. <laughs> While it was only held in Harlem, it attracted people from all over the country. It got so big that for their 1929 ball, they had to turn away 2,000 guests. Yeah. By the late 30s, they were welcoming up to 8,000 guests. Yo, honestly, situations like this makes me think, like, you know how many people were on the low, like, queer? Like, yeah. come on. Yeah, saying, yeah. And they were looking for spaces like this. They were, they, yeah. They needed it. Yeah, 8,000 guests, yeah. please. And they were like, no, nah, like, I'm straight. But your <laughs> ass look good in that dress, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, while the Hamilton Lodge did start as an organization for black people, it sort of became gentrified over time, and more and more white people started to attend. This influenced the judging standards and general vibe of the event. Writer George Chancey described it as middle-class men passing as straight, sat in the balcony with other members of Harlem's social elite, looking down on the spectacle of working men in drag. It kind of makes it sound like this. they were like watching and being like, I wish that could be us. Yeah. Because they're trying to pretend they're straight, but they're secretly like, I wish that could be you. Yeah. Yeah. But the whole looking down on as well, it's like yeah. they didn't lift these people up, even though they were entertaining those people. There was no space for them. Yeah. And they, were, they wanted to keep them down. They wanted mm. to keep them pressed. That's weird because it was like an unsafe, safe space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goddamn. That's, that's, that's a minefield. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so as these 
events went on, the standards rose and dresses were reaching an amazing height of scale and beauty. Mm. One night, Cleopatra arrived on a float carried by six men. The legit Cleopatra? Yup. He said, let me come back from Egypt. Get these six men to carry me. That's incredible, though. I love how... They were doing drag of history. Like, they they were trying to keep that alive. Yeah. And by the 1960s, black queens were expected to whiten their faces and try to hide their features if they wanted a chance at winning. And in 1967, frustration and tension from these unfair standards finally came to the surface. When a white contestant, Miss Philadelphia Rachel Harlow, took the top prize for Miss Camp America Beauty Pageant, Crystal LaBeja, not me, but you know the other Crystal. (laughs) She was a black drag queen and called out the racist judging standards and broke away from the scene. Her friend Lottie talked her into helping co-host their own ball. And from there, the first house, the house of LaBeja, was born with Crystal as the house mother. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's mad. Like, I just think, imagine if Crystal never called that out. Like, Mm -hmm. how much culture and influence we would not have. Like, she started... So much. Yes. Like, how you take it and be like, I'm going to throw my own party there. you know what I mean? Yo. <laughs> I'm going to make my own safe space. Uh-huh, Listen. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> What's really amazing as well is the houses in Harlem, they started as a protest from her. Mm. Like Pride itself, like the trans revolution that we talked about recently on Safe Space. You know, these things that have started these pockets of beauty in a way and culture, like you said, Started with the protest. Started mm. at once. Someone going, you know what? I'm not having this, and I'm taking it. I'm making it my own. Yeah, yeah. And they made it better. <laughs> but I'm, not, I'm about to get into it now. Okay, so I let me wait. tell you about the formation of the other houses. Now it's the 1970s. Crystal and Lottie LaBeja presented the first annual House of LaBeja Ball, and it was a huge success. Crystal and Lottie weren't the only people to feel dissatisfied with the racial biases at play in the mainstream balls, and many others began to follow suit. So many more houses sprouted up, um, named after fashion houses whose glamour they wanted to emulate. They were all headed up by a mother and sometimes a father who would take in younger kids and take care of them. So like, you, you know when you're, sometimes like when you're in a, in a house, like you're gonna be like, oh, that's my mother. But like, yeah. that's like the leader of the house. Mm. And then yeah. they'll be like the father of the house sometimes. But like, there's yeah. always like a house mother. I think it's interesting because clearly these queer kids would have probably been rejected or neglected by their own families or not even have a family. Mm. And then these people brought them in, which right. is such like a queer family culture. And I love that. I love that it's like a family a family mm. culture cuz yeah, yeah. cuz I was just about to tell you about that as well like how it was really like another home for these mm. these kids lit, lit, so yeah, lit, yeah. Lit. yeah. Mm-hmm. like while they were set up primarily with the intention to compete in balls and win trophies they began to operate as homes for displaced oh. kids and teens yeah so the houses were so fundamental for black gay people as in almost every direction they turned they faced discrimination like intolerance from their biological families Mm -hmm. rejection from the many black nationalist groups and of course racism from the world and even in their own community um because like Mm -hmm. we're usually catered towards white men and a lot of those white men were also racist Mm -hmm. so they didn't feel safe and 
over time, the houses evolved to carry out work in, in between balls to allow the kids who weren't so interested in competing to have spaces to come together, find community, and just be. And the houses flourished into creative, artistic scenes. There were people who were budding fashion designers or keen to try out their new garments on people, men and women new to gay culture, trying to figure themselves out and so much more because not everyone could dance or <laughs> not everyone wanted to to step in drag. So it was like something for everybody. It's so beautiful like how quickly it evolved to just like encompass a lot of different people like you're saying fashion designers and people who didn't want to walk like they very quickly were like a lot of these people need this home yeah so they made it they just said listen i'm gonna make your home you need one come here right get some nice hot dinner you know yo and i bet there was cooks up in them homes too i'm like <laughs> please save me because i've only been eating ramen noodles <laughs> <laughs> know about the community we've spoken about the food the family but there's one thing that we all know and love women for mm-hmm. and that's bogey <laughs> something that's made its way across movies music videos popular tv shows films type of dance yes it's a bogey hey. <laughs> and his origin story it's giving it's giving amazing it's giving glamour it's giving beauty oh <laughs> Let me tell you guys about it. <laughs> so its origin story goes, in the 70s at an after hours club called Footsteps, Paris Dupree, known as the mother's mother for being the mother of three houses, we've got the house of Dupree, house of Ebony and the house of Revlon. I know I could, I could just about be a mother of one kid, so how she did it, <laughs> don't know. She was on the dance floor. Now a group of different black queens were throwing shade at each other. While Paris was dancing, she pulled out a Vogue magazine from her bag. She opened it up and pulled it onto a page where a model was posing. She snapped a pose on beat. She turns the page to another page with the model posing. Another pose on beat. <gasps> then the other black queens catch on. They come in. Pose on beat. Another pose on beat. And they're all throwing shade at each other. The whole intention was basically for them to be the best, to be the prettiest, the most iconic. And that quickly caught on in the ballroom scene. That is incredible. Yeah, like, I, know. I did not know that. No. You can imagine it, they're like, and then yeah, you can yeah. imagine, like, and then, like, oh, I wish that needs to be recreated. <laughs> I know, needs to it film needs to make that. a film. So it quickly caught on, and at first they just called it posing, but then obviously, because it came from the magazine Vogue, they gave it the name Voguing. Oh, wow. wow. That's brilliant. So a lot of Vogues came from the same background as the kids who started, like, breaking and b-boying in the 1970s, so the scene kind of evolved to be the same. So they sharpen their skills through a lot of competition with each other on the streets, wherever they could find space. And it really just came through a big kind of desire to be seen. They wanted people to see them and wanted the world to see them in a way that it wasn't at the time. So as new dancers brought their own style, feel and identities to the scene, the dance evolved over time from old way, which is kind of like the static, sleek, Mm -hmm. you know, like runway poses to new way. A form which incorporated more athleticism, which I pretend if I was athletic, but I'm not. (laughs) And martial arts moves. And then later, the version a lot of people will recognise now, which is Vogue Femme, which is a lot more dainty wrists, kind of flow bodies and breaking your back, but somehow surviving. (laughs) Uh, Vogue Femme is kind of like a super feminine choreography, and that's just generally what we see a lot of today. And it has like hair whips, spins and dips. Did you know Vogue Femme's broken up into five elements? So they are hands... Catwalk, duck walk, dip, 
and floor performance. Ooh. Now I found a tutorial by the legendary mother, the Wonder Woman, the mother of House of Amazon, Laomi, and I thought we could all oh my try to do a bit of voguing. Oh. <laughs> okay, let's this. go. <laughs> It's your girl, Leomi Maldonado, here to teach you about the five elements of those. Boom! The most important thing about hands is wrists. You want to have lots of mobility and tapping. Tap your left shoulder over to the right, roll your hand down, and drop. One, over, and roll, cross, and roll. You've seen this down. before. <laughs> <laughs> I was not getting it. Take another step, right. Another step, left. This is the catwalk. You're gonna drop down. You wanna have a little arch in your back. As you bounce up and down, you're gonna take a step with either foot. The same arms that you did in catwalks. So you're gonna go one, two, three, four, five, six, get up, quick. A lot of people out there have been calling it a dip drop. That is a no-no. It's called a dip, a dip. <laughs> a lot of you guys see a dramatic dip, which is the one that comes from up here but we're not doing that because you're not ready for that. Weight all the way down. Position your knee down. I'm gonna flatten your foot in. Sit back in. You're gonna twist the opposite side. Hands down, extend your leg, and you're gonna arch on the floor. Prep, lay, lay. You can cross your leg over. You can open up, drop, swirl. Open up, drop, open up, drop, and swirl, swirl. And you drop. Up and prep. Drop. Roll. Hit. Bam. Curl. performance. And that, you guys, are the five elements of those. <laughs> oh, how do you think we did? Do you think we did well? I think we got a tense, but really they probably yeah. give us a chop. Uh, I did not get chopped. Like I hit that. <laughs> you <were> like, <laughs> did you see my leg? Yeah, I was like, yeah, okay, she's been on the floor before. <laughs> I'm not a breast from that. I know. She does so effortlessly. Yeah. yeah, but she was like, I'm not even going to teach you the one up here because you're not ready for that. I wasn't ready and I'm sitting down. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not ready for any drop. Up, we would have needed an ambulance on call. <laughs> Maybe like you again when you're trying that voguing thing. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so, you were telling us the story of houses before. Now, houses continued to pop up during the 80s. And in 1982, Willy Ninja founded the House of Ninja. Have you heard about Willy Ninja? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. The best. Okay, so Willy was born in 1961 in Queens and had a loving mother who supported his identity, which is beautiful. From a young age, she saw he had a talent and a love for dancing, so she encouraged his growth, taking him to ballet performances at the Apollo Theatre. While she couldn't afford to take him to expensive dance lessons, Willie was a natural and taught himself all the moves he needed to excel and become a superstar. In his 20s, he was inspired to redefine voguing. He brought to it clean, sharp movements and excelled to an amazing level. Do you want to have a look at some of his voguing? Yes. yes. Let's watch a clip. I'm Willie Ninja, the mother of the house of Ninja. Give him what he wants. I'm the mother of the house of Ninja because they say I'm the best voguer out. To be the mother of the house, you have to have the most power. Take a real family. It's the mother that's the hardest worker. 
and the mother gets the most respect. As far as my naming my house, the house of Ninja, ninjas hit hard, they hit fast, an invisible assassin, and that's what we are. We come out to assassinate. Bogan came from Shade because it was a dance that two people did because they didn't like each other. Instead of fighting, you would dance it out on the dance floor, and whoever did the better moves was throwing the best shade, basically. This is what generally sometimes I do, is I make my hand into a form like a compact or makeup kit, and I'm like beating my face with blush, shadows, or whatever to the music. Then usually I'll turn the compact around to face that person, meaning like almost like my hand is a mirror for them to get a look. Then I'll start doing their face because what they have on their face right now needs a dramatic makeup job. That was incredible. It was the shoulder. I, I know. know. And it's also just like, I feel like even if my shoulders could do that and I did that, I'd look like a, a mug. <laughs> something about Willie had this energy yeah, and this kind look. of poise. Mm. I love how seriously they take it. Yeah. yeah. Like it was an art. They were there. It's almost like they couldn't afford to go to all these ballets and stuff like that, but then they then created the space where it was taken with the same amount of seriousness and art, you know, and I really like that they did that. Yeah, yeah. it was like, it was his craft, it was almost yeah. like his life's work. He, can you imagine like redefining and helping create like a dance, not right. just a dance move, but a whole like style of dance. Do you yeah. think that culturally they knew they were like on the precipice of like the start of something amazing? I think they did know. You Do you know? think they did? Yeah, I think they were like, "We about to, we really about to shake the world with this." Yeah. Also, I found out Willie is an Aries. Oh, <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, sense. I can see that. I get on with him. I like <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I feel like, um, especially like seeing the community come in and watching mm. it grow. Yeah. Please, they knew they were onto something, but like also at the same time, I think they would have been shocked to see like. No. today now yeah. yeah you're right yeah like if, if they saw like how big yeah. it is now i know Jeez, and like the renaissance crazy. tour that beyonce just did with oh, with the focus yeah, like, honey balenciaga it's a movement it's a it's a cultural mm. movement yeah that you see so present in today and they started it wow as a yeah. protest Actually, yeah, that, now that you say it, yeah, yeah. like, it really reached uh, New such heights. a level. Yeah. yeah. Like you say, they probably have, would have no idea yeah. if they came here. Which, imagine if they were sat here and go, hey, Willie, do you remember this? Now look at it now. <laughs> You'd be like... Exactly, look, it's on the world stage. Yeah. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows. It's, it's a verb. They invented a new word, mm-hmm. man. Not many people know about him. Yeah. yeah. Other people in those houses. The history of the Vogue and the history of the houses... Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm learning about it today, you know? <laughs> I could tell you some more about Willie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. His influences included comedic hieroglyphics, Fred Astaire, martial arts, and Michael Jackson. And from the clip I just showed you, you can see why he was dubbed the Godfather of Vogue, right? Mm. But still a lot of people are going to come and tell me that Madonna invented it. Mm. Oh, let me talk to you. Let me say something behind the dumpster. <laughs> Willie. Yes. <laughs> And he was one of the many people from Ballroom to appear in Jenny Livingston's famous 1990 documentary film, Paris is Burning. 
And from there, he managed to leverage his appearance and talents to go on to have a successful career as a dancer, a model, and a choreographer. Let me show you some of the stuff he's done. Ooh. So he appeared in some of Janet Jackson's music videos. He modeled for Jean-Paul de Gaultier, and he helped perfect Paris Hilton's walk. No. What? I know, I know, that man's influence. That's incredible. It's insane, isn't it? It's everywhere. <laughs> Literally everywhere. So in 2004, he opened his own modeling agency, which he called Elements and Ninja. Now, sadly, in 2006, he passed away from complications of AIDS. But it goes without saying that he's left an undeniable mark on the world mm. and a beautiful, amazing, like, inspiring legacy. Yeah. Oh. Now, nah, but imagine calling up someone like, yo, can you help me perfect my walk? Yeah. Right? And it'd be Paris Hilton. Paris Hilton. <laughs> <laughs> what does Paris know about the balls? Do you know what I mean? Oh, was she there actually, secretly? That yeah. would be iconic. Be like, I bet, I bet <laughs> she came in with like something covering her disgusting. face and like just like... Yeah. <laughs> Some glasses. Just Paris at the ball. We could um, ask her. <laughs> at Paris, Paris. Yeah. <laughs> Paris is burning it's about me <laughs> just have burning toast for an hour it was so hot <laughs> it was burning <laughs> wow that is an incredible podcast guys thank you so much for bringing that rich history I feel so educated in it and it makes me want to go out and vogue I'm not going to lie we've got to all go out to a ball yeah. Do, do they still happen? Uh, yeah. Do they? They do. Yeah. yeah. Like they seen as like they they're proper scored and stuff. Actually, now you say that, I can mm. imagine the TikToks in my head of watching all the them. balls. Have of you all seen the all their like? Yeah, they're like this little square, and there's like those people stood there, and there's people that just like they, they vogue for their life. Yeah, I remember I went to a ball like my first ball this year, and I saw someone oh. like it was just hands. And the way her arms are moving, I was like, girl, your, your dad must be a helicopter. Right. Like, <laughs> helicopter, like, helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> it's mad, but what it's like... What was she doing? Like, loads of... <laughs> <laughs> they do all that you stuff, just have right? to go to see. Like, yeah. You have to just see it. Mm. Because it's... the first ball I went to, I, I felt emotional. I was like, oh. what? Like, whoa. Wow. Yeah, and it's like, I think especially for me, because like... When I came out, I didn't know so much about this stuff. And when I started to learn about ballroom and I learned it was created by black queer people. Yeah. And I was like, this is my culture. Yeah. Because I think it's been hijacked uh-huh. by some unseasoned people. So learning <laughs> learning that this was like our history in it. And then it's like you say, like seeing it in person, because seeing it on TV is one thing. But when you see people in front of you doing that mm-hmm. and you also know the legacy they're carrying with that, yeah. like where this came from. Yeah. Especially for you from New York as well. I know. You're from the city that birthed it, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just like, even just seeing like everybody there. Just like the, the, the vibe. As soon as you walk in, it's just like, oh, yeah. whoa, whoa. <laughs> and then I just remember leaving the ball and just going back into like, you know, the regular world. Yeah. And I was like, they didn't even know that everybody was just throwing their ass out in that in that, in that church. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then I was just looking like, the everyday world is so boring. I just came I'm from 100%. a ball. Like, yeah. they don't even know where I just came from. You're like, move out of my way. Move yeah. out of my way. Yeah. Thanks, Crystal, for coming in. Uh, it was great to have you. 
This um, has been so great. Thanks for inviting me to your safe space. Anytime, <laughs> anytime. Um, that's all for today, guys. Make sure you let us know how what you think of this podcast, and make sure to follow and subscribe us on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Spotify, and where you find your podcasts. Cool. See ya. Bye. Bye.